Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games. Games that respect your time. My name's Nate Heininger, and I am joined today by the wonderful host, co-host, Laura Jane Ash. How are you today? I'm doing pretty fantastic. I mean, we're a, a short crew, but not a short crew, a small crew. A small crew. But mighty. Don't mean to uh, malign your height, Nate. <laughs> it's okay. We're on the internet. I had no idea how tall you were uh, until we met for the first time. in, in At your in, wedding. At my wedding, yeah, in, in real life. So um, it's okay. The beauty of the internet, we can all hide behind our... Uh, little Skype windows. We're all as tall as Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we are a little shorthanded today because not only are we a show about uh, short video games, it seems we're also a show about major life changes. Uh, I recently missed an episode because of the birth of uh, of our daughter, and this week we... Uh, I'm sorry if you're a loyalist to the Kelly brothers. Um, they are both uh, pretty occupied. Reagan is moving. We, uh, you know, wish him safe travels uh, and congratulate him on a seem, half the country move. Um, and Shane is stepping away because he is also expecting the birth of his son anytime soon. So um, congratulations to both of them. Yeah, it's not always the best idea to either record from a moving truck or record from a hospital while your wife is giving birth. So we praise the Kellys on wise life decisions. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about board game ports without them. Yeah, this gives us a chance to talk about a topic that I think you and I both uh, interact with a lot, but it doesn't really get talked about a lot. And I think that's for a few reasons. I mean, it's like a digital version of a tabletop, a, a physical thing. So I think a lot of people play them, but it's more like, yeah, you just play them, but everyone talks about, you know, the games that are made for iOS or games that are made for PlayStation. Yeah, and the board game folk don't cover it that often because often the games have been around for, you know, a year or two, even 10, 15, 20 years by the time mm -hmm. it gets an iOS port. So it's not exactly news to anybody. Um, that said... That's often how I play new board games or games that people have talked about um, that might be weird bets for me. Games I might not have been into might be mm -hmm. too hard for my friend group. A board game port gives me a chance to take that risk for seven bucks or two bucks if it's on sale and not pay the 60 to to $100 that board games cost because board yeah. games cost so much money. They do. Yeah, it's funny um, talking about like board game folk covering board game ports. It, it's generally just like, is it like the board game? If so, then hey, it's a pretty good port. If not, then no, sorry, don't bother. Um, so there's not a whole lot of value put on maybe the uh, uniqueness of the port or um, maybe things it adds. Um, or why it's good and fun to play a board game on your phone um, and or your iPad, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, today. The the value, the you know, the reason besides companies just trying to spread their name, but um, you know why you might actually be interested in playing some of these. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned uh, the the barrier to entry. That's great. Um, as far as like cost goes, but another one to me is uh, I, I play a lot of physical board games. I love board games, something that I play um, pretty weekly with uh, some friends. But also, you just don't always have people available to play with. 
or like you said, you want to just try something out. And fortunately, these games, you know, while it'll never replace playing with your friends, they generally do a pretty good job of building AIs that represent like a strategy in a game. So you can play these games uh, entirely by yourself, which is like not how board games normally work. Yeah, even one of the uh, co-op games, you can play all the parts if you really want to be a mastermind, or you can do AI friends. It's really interesting to me that um, even as games tend to launch with a kind of start where you just get it, and then maybe they'll add asynchronous multiplayer or online multiplayer eventually, um, a lot of them start off with physical pass and play or solo mode as their go-to, and for the most part, that's how I play them. I mm-hmm. don't, I've done a little bit of um, playing online with a friend who lives in Europe. Um, he tends to only play games that he's played a billion times, so he always uh, just kicks my ass. So, not the ideal <laughs> secretist multiplayer game to play with yeah. someone who, who will uh, study it as if he is mm. um, going to actually play Risk with real troops. But. I really like playing the AIs because I learn mm-hmm. different strategies. Yeah, and it lets you, um, you know, another thing about a, a board game is, uh, you know, analysis paralysis between not just yourself but your friends. It's not uncommon um, for a game that says 30 minutes to an hour on the box is actually two to four hours, depending on how much your friends talk or just sit and stare at the board and think about strategies. So you can generally, because of these AIs and they just have their move, you know, scripted more or less, uh, you can play a full game in a much shorter amount of time um, and try out different strategies. You had mentioned playing it where you play as every character. That is insane. I remember one time way back I tried to play myself in chess. I made it like six moves in. I'm like, this, I, <laughs> I, I can't. I don't even know what I'm trying to accomplish. <laughs> yeah, this. that one's in a pandemic, which is co-op. So it makes a little more sense to play yourself at a co-op. <laughs> that, that makes way more sense with pandemic where you have different roles and different, uh, mm. you know, jobs. But, uh, hey, you know, so, certainly there's someone out there who is um, able to split themselves away from them, you know, their own themselves enough to play themselves maybe in a game of, uh, I don't know, Settlers of Catan. Where you're, I don't know, but my uh, perfect, <laughs> yeah, my perfect uh, way to play this is in an airport. Mm-hmm. And an airport, especially if the flight's delayed. I mean, I used to, um, there's a, a tiny game, uh, Mr. Jack Pocket, that's, you know, the size of an index card. And I would play that in the airport. But I think now it's just much easier to grab my iPad or iPhone, which I already have with me, uh, pass it back and forth to Justin, and we can finish it on the flight because it doesn't need Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's a great call. I know I've played a, a full game of Settlers of Catan four-player on a road trip one time. Um, we were going out to Colorado and had a whole bunch of us in the car, and we just passed the phone around, and it was great. How did the driver do? Uh, it was not the driver's not playing. We were in a in a uh, a bigger car, so we had um, enough people to play, and a driver who was. Um, clearly interested in the game that we were all passing around on our phone. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a good call. Like we both play a lot of games on our iPhone, but these are not generally the games that you play in the same way that you play other uh, iPhone games. I don't really feel like I want to be interrupted. Um, so most good games on the iPhone, we say, you know, you can just put it down at any time. So I'm not, but that's not really the way with a board game, especially if you're trying to, you know, it's a kind of a big picture strategy thing. It might take 20, 30 minutes to win that game. 
Um, so airports, car rides, uh, anywhere you don't have internet, anywhere you want to sit down and, you know, play a full game, that's going to be more recommended than like, hey, I'm on a 10 minute bus ride. Let me pop open Carcassonne and, you know, get a game of that going. Yeah, I think it's perfect for when you have a group, but you're in a situation that a board game is impossible. Um, I played a lot of uh, casual board games in bars. I would not be playing an iPad or iPhone port in a bar. Mm. I mean, but I mean that that the physical cards are more fun. But and also, beer on your phone is terrible. And, <laughs> and and playing on your phone in a bar is generally not a fun thing to do. But if you're in an area like a the public transportation, an airport, and somewhere where you wouldn't have access to your board game collection. This mm-hmm. can really scratch that itch and let you do something social that isn't uh, everyone checking Twitter. Right, right. Um, and, you know, the reason we go into this at all is these are some good games and some really interesting games. Um, you don't really get these sorts of mechanics in most video games. Um Sometimes it's stuff behind the scenes in video games. They're all trying to obscure the fact that there's dice rolls and stuff like that. Um, but this is, you know, card deck building, um, tile placement, um, you know, all sorts of more advanced, you know, Euro game uh, mechanics that are very interesting and require a lot of attention and thought um, that a lot of iPhone games don't or iPad or whatever don't often give you. Um, so it can be a really interesting experience as well as often social or, if not, still fun. Yeah, and if you're looking for a couple just blanket recommendations, we're not going to talk about any games in depth per se today, but we're just going to be talking about the topic in general and a couple of our favorites. Uh, there's two companies that have really good reputations. One's Days of Wonder. They do ports of their own games, and whoever they've farmed out the iOS development for has done great UI. They do Ticket to Ride, both of the Small Worlds games, uh, Splendor is on there, and then um, Playtech does the really complicated games. Um, I played Agricola. That game is not for me. Agricola. <laughs> it's just yeah. not for me. I The tutorial takes 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, people who like that game say it's one of the... It's the best port they've ever played. So... More yeah. power to people who like that game. I love their Lords of Waterdeep, which is a lighter game. Yeah. And I, that's probably my favorite. I think you've... They even have Twilight Struggle on there. Yeah, there I've was, talked about it a lot. There was a while, I think, we were lobbying for a Lords of Waterdeep entire episode. So we'll I kind, was. we'll kind of consider that uh, this one right now. Honorary. <laughs> Honorary. Um, yeah, I they, just wanted people to play with me, mm-hmm. and I was trying to Aww. calm them into it. But... <laughs> well, when you put it that way... <laughs> Um, I, I have friends, I promise. Um, uh, they even do Twilight Struggle, which is like, it, Nate, I know you've played the physical version, right? That's an enormous game. I So I have physically. not played the physical version yet because the, it's so enormous. Me and my uh, um, friend who I play a lot of board games with, we've been working our way up and tr- sort of like trying to schedule out a time where we can both learn how to and play Twilight Struggle because it is a mammoth game. Um, but it's also generally considered one of the best games made. So the fact that they made a, a port for it is very intriguing. It might be a way to go about it instead of using, um, you know, using the actual physical game, especially if you can pause 
Um, I know I was saying that I don't like to put these games down, but I'm just now realizing maybe for like a six-hour, nine-hour board game, that's an advantage of a port. You can actually say, hey, let's pick this up tomorrow and just close the app. Um, I mean, if they had Dune the board game or Game of Thrones the board game on there, both of which I've played, both mm -hmm. of which take about seven hours, I, I would have gladly done two hours. And yeah. then done I, something else for a while. Yeah, I love the Game of Thrones board game. I have that as well. And uh, yeah, that's a that is a commitment. I mean, you have to get a lot of people over and say like, "Hey, you want to learn a game and play it for you know six hours?" Uh, was playing through the ages. It took me and my buddy nine hours to Jeez. to learn how to and play the first game. Um, and it was great. And we had you know set that day up. That was the plan, but it would. But you can't not finish it because it takes your whole table. And it's like, I need I need that table. And uh, we can't play, you know, until next weekend. So um, we're finishing this now one way or another. Um, so, yeah, the ability to just hit the home button. Um, and I don't even know if these games really do that. We'll keep it for that long for you. But I imagine they do. And that seems pretty, um, pretty useful. Uh, and as far as Days of Wonder go, it doesn't surprise me that their apps are... are clean and great because their games are generally pretty clean and straightforward and really good design. Um, so it seems like they've just carried their brand into their app development. I've played Ticket to Ride on the phone and it is great. Yeah, there's um, a guide, Matthew Baldwin, who writes for some paper on the West Coast that's bl I'm blanking out on, but he always does a yearly good game gift guide hmm. and where he talks about uh, what makes a game a good gift if you can explain the rules under 10 minutes and you can play it in under 45 realistically um and he always ends up talking about days of wonder games i think yeah. they play they do a lot of the the lighter games where even if it looks pretty complicated and there's a lot of parts uh you can pick it up pretty quickly yeah well um sometimes uh, molly and i will take a game over to her parents uh to play and her um, her mom really likes games, but it really it has to be a low sort of barrier to entry, not out of um, any sort of lack of commitment, but more just like that's she's not when she wants to play a board game. She's not looking for, you know, the maybe the Euro games that we want to play. So uh, I found a lot of success with Days of Wonder games going over be like you're building a train and your goal is to make a big, colorful, fun train and make it go across the country. And, you know, you can learn it in 10 minutes and it's great. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, you had mentioned another thing too, um, you know, setup, um, and scorekeeping and all those things that can get kind of bogged down, especially on more complicated games. Um, the app does it for you. And that might be one of the best parts of these and why these games go in half the time, uh, on the app than in real life. Yeah. I, I, not saying that your friends are dirty cheaters, but I will say that having a bunch of people who've been having beers the whole night trying to add up at the end of a complicated game is really time consuming. Yeah. The odds of people do math wrong um, and is pretty high. And uh, the odds that someone is then going to get mad at someone else for doing the math wrong is higher than I'd like it to be. <laughs> yeah. And um you know, just like the maintenance of the game, the setup to um, a game that I really like in real life um, that has a good app port is called Star Realms. Um, 
it's not that it's an insane amount of upkeep, but there's a lot of little rules and a lot of little things you can do. It's a deck building game where you're building a fleet of ships and you're, you know, you have to attack the enemy and you can build bases and everyone has like an attack counter and a health counter and a money counter. And there's just a lot going on, um, that can take a few times playing it to really get a hang of it. Whereas the app just does it. And if you try to make a move that you're not allowed to, it just doesn't let you do it instead of relying on like, you know, maybe another player being like, Hey, no, that's not a legal move. The game just doesn't let you do it. Um, and I think that's great. And it makes a game like star realms that again, isn't even that complicated as far as a lot of games can get. It makes it feel very natural on the iPhone. And in a lot of ways, this game, Star Realms, you know, you could have just told me it was a game developed for iOS and then they made a uh, deck, you know, a physical copy of it later. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, and something else um, with the setup, I I think there are games that secret keeping is really important. And I think that physically taking the entire board into your hands (laughs) and playing it where the other person can't see it makes it so much easier to bluff because you can, you know, no one can see what your finger's doing as opposed to in real life where people see that you looked at your card four times before you bought a bunch of rubies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you, you can give it away much easier. Uh, My dream, this game does not exist as an iOS port, but if I was, if someone gave me a bunch of money and a developer, cool, you're, you know, you're a UX designer, design me a port. I would want to do um, Betrayal, the house on Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah. That's a because, great game. Um, that whole game, you play a certain amount of time, you're exploring this haunted house, and then uh, the game turns and one character, or more than one character, is suddenly going to betray the group. And now mm-hmm. it's everyone against that person. Now, I would want to have it be like, and, you know, open up the iPhone app and text in type in this code and now you're going to go read that on your phone as opposed to right now which is usually someone goes into the bathroom and runs water or like <laughs> like, like like it gets really weird in a physical location where mm-hmm. people have to suddenly um do it I, I think secret keeping um which was my main call for lords of water deep it's all about you're a secret master lord and you're you're playing a certain agenda mm. um but no one else can know what your agenda is um, because then they can counteract it. It's very political. Yeah. Um, and you're basically going to political councils and trying to advocate for things, but you're trying to hide what your actual agenda is. Um, very hard to bluff in person. Um, on the phone, you can keep reminding yourselves of your objectives, but no one is going to judge you about it. Right. Oh, yeah, because you always can tell in a game where, like, you know, if there's like certain hidden cards and some of them are more complicated than other ones, the more someone uh-huh. lo- has to look at that card, the more like, likely. Oh, they must have that really hard one. Your, <laughs> your objective is not like buy high, sell low. Your objective is like. <laughs> yeah. Or even something as simple as like Settlers of Catan, where it's like you're going to you're going to buy a development card and it might be just say one victory point on it. Or it might be like use this card to get two of any resource that you want at any time. And it's like. The moment you see someone kind of like reading the card, <laughs> you're like, yeah, okay, you know I, I know it's not a point and it's probably not a knight either because most people know what they, they do. So it's like, I know you just got a specialty a, like card. A, yeah, yeah, a special card. Um, 
Uh, another game is that handles secrecy um, that I think works well on the phone, kind of similar to what you're saying is, have you ever played the like the werewolf brand of games um, or no, style of games? No, but I've just downloaded um, Triple Agent, which is an iOS version of that okay. that I've been really wanting to play but haven't yet. It's not a port. It's a... It's a variant of Werewolf that they've made just for iOS. Oh, interesting. Because there's a there's a mediocre port of like Werewolf just called Werewolf, I believe, that I've used in, in a group setting that's a lot of fun, which is all about, you know, one person's a werewolf, the other people are townspeople, and they have to vote who the werewolf is. And everyone passes the phone around for them to take their actions. And it, it works really, really well. And I think in previous settings, like you almost had to have someone as a game master to really run that game because so everyone like had to close their eyes and someone would whoever was a werewolf would have to like choose who they kill and whoever was kind of the game master would would run it um but that yeah people haven't played this it's you might have played this with a group it's like you shake hands and one scratches there's a billion variants on it but it's mm-hmm. that like some people are trying to kill other people yeah game um and it worked really well on the iphone you just pass it around on you know you set up who who's playing, and then it, it automatically assigns them the role. You hand them the phone, they find out what role they are, and you just keep p- passing the phone in a circle, and it works really well. Um, another game that had secrecy that I actually don't think worked as well as I... They, they made a coup port. Ooh. Um, Interesting. And it was... Uh, I, I think that there's no real reason to play that game in person on phone. The reason why people start playing it is that it has an online multiplayer, uh, asynchronous multiplayer, uh, yeah, which... And- worked the game worked as you'd expect it to be but that game in real life is all about um deception and 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 the words you say to like your friends and so just playing it like silently on your phone i thought took a lot away from you know how fun the real game is yeah the we talk a lot about the physicality of board games, but the experience really is at the table like Mm -hmm. with the people so the games that i've liked the most in real life and on iOS are the ones that remember that you are, you know, even if you're just playing with a, a the game, how can they add stuff to replace that kind of in-person camaraderie deception? Uh, I've never played Lords of Waterdeep with an AI and I never will because mm-hmm. the entire game is about the other person. Right. And guessing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it makes you wonder, like, will they be able to make a, an online version? And maybe this exists already on your phone, where you can get like a little camera screen going, where you can like call the person that you're playing. Hmm. I don't know. I, if it was friends, I'm sure that that would work. Yeah. I mean, um, says We're, the person who has done uh, who plays D and D over Skype. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, we're just throwing out great ideas to our listeners right now. So if anyone out there wants wants to turn these into games, we're taking our cut. Thank you very much. Yes, please. But (laughs) if you do make uh, betrayal uh, for me, I will just pay you for it. (laughs) (laughs) Take all of my ideas, build it, and and reap the benefits. Um, So one of the things that making an app out of a board game can do too is they have the opportunity to add things to the game that maybe just would not work in a physical game um oftentimes in my experience it's adding uh single player sort of modes um a game that i really like is called 
Galaxy Trucker. I think I've talked about it on the last board game episode we did. Um, it's a really fun game, um, but the uh, the app has the full game as it is. It's really fun. It's a pretty good representation of the game. But it actually added like a single player campaign, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it takes the mechanics of the single of the board game, puts you against AI, adds new objectives, new things, and you actually like kind of go through as a character. Um, and that would not be possible with this game uh, and a physical and a physical game. There's just no way to do it. So I, I think that's a lot of value added to the app. Um, it's not just a port. It's it's its own addition. Yeah, I can't think of anything sadder than playing uh, Pandemic, which is a co-op game about uh, saving the world from a disease. Solo, the physical game. Mm-hmm. But the solo version of the app works because basically they say you can choose three roles, and now you're fighting like you're fighting the board game. And what makes it feel less lonely is that it it's like a it's like a cheesy 80s spy movie or like you know the, it's like the sci-fi interfaces you'd want if pandemic was a movie on the screens where nice. like like the map uh you get a map of the world and in the board game you put little counters on cities to show if it's um how infected it is mm-hmm. and a huge part of the game is drawing cards and infecting different cities by putting little counters on it and in the app they're like little um rotating microbes and so they like spin different, you know, there's two will spin at a slower speed and three is spinning really fast. So it, again, okay. and, and when you start doing badly, the whole game recolors. So like if you get an epidemic, the whole thing goes green and like oh, it geez. turns red and it's like it, you get this real good sense of dread and um, <laughs> the, like the that soundtrack game, hypes ugh. up and it that just game feels can, so... That game can go sour so, bad. so quickly. Like I, I was, I actually played that game. Uh, I've played that game probably... 40 times, but I played it just the other night. And we thought that we were cruising. Everything was running well. Mm-hmm. The roles that we had drawn, we actually, we won. It was on, it was two people as their first time playing and we won, but we played it on easy and we mm-hmm. won on literally the last turn. If we had not cured the last disease on the last player's turn, we were losing the, the next turn. So, uh, yeah. Even when you think it's going well, it's it's pretty much never going well. Um, so I so I haven't played the app, but I can imagine that the the visual stimulation of everything just seemingly going to shit is probably very effective. Oh, it's super effective, and it's it's as if the designer uh, thought, well. In person at that point, everyone is super tense. Everyone is kind of like, they're not yelling at each other, but everyone is getting really serious mm-hmm. <laughs> about the game. <laughs> and they wanted to communicate that through the visuals, and they 100% get it. It's it's really, like, it's yeah. almost funny how um, just the sense of dread it imparts, the soundtrack changes. Mm-hmm. And it would have been so easy for them just to make it... Um, normal gameplay just to put the counters on or just to put little animations for the cards moving in and out. But they really cared to make it feel like it does when you're playing with a group. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's a level of commitment to, to the development um, that shows like kind of a care in the experience of playing the game. And I think that's what has made some of these stand out more than others, as you said, trying to represent what it feels like to play these games. And there's nothing more stressful than playing a game of Pandemic. I love that game, but man, you'll get to the point where, since it's co-op, 
everything is open knowledge. And so you really try to like plan your moves out. And we'll get in these like stupid circles where we're like planning like six moves ahead. Like you're going to. And gonna... then Kinshasa explodes yeah. and it's all gone. <laughs> and it's completely for not. It's like there's four of us and it's like, okay, it's my turn. I'm going to do this. But you need to end your turn in this city so that on my turn I can end in this city and then her turn, she'll be in this city and then Epidemic card and we just spent 20 minutes planning out the perfect five moves and it's all gone. And so it's like just – I said analysis paralysis earlier. This is like analysis like panic constantly. So I I definitely need to pick up the app because that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, if only Pandemic Legacy – what right. was an app, or I could find people to to play with me. It's um. I, I have hit. some friends playing it. I'm I'm bummed to have missed out on the sort of the um, first match. Uh, mm-hmm. If you you're not familiar with Pandemic Legacy, it's Pandemic, but and and I think you probably might know a little bit more about it than me. But it is every game affects the game board, and then you play it again, and you're actually literally and physically changing the landscape of the game. Yeah, so. and I, I see why they would never do this as a app, uh, because it is, one, physical destruction, two, it's, yeah, you just get this enjoyment by physically changing the board that you're not going to get by having a new animation. Yeah, because um, it's actually self-destruct, like, you can't, if I understand it correctly, once you finish your game of Pandemic Legacy, which is a huge amount of time and effort, you can't do it again. Like, you have Mm-mm. literally, destroyed you've the destroyed the game. Um, which is awesome. And that's something that I don't, I mean, that is a, a, a concept that a physical game will always have over vi- any video game, let alone, let, let alone like ports of other games. Like the physicality of it, you can only do your best to mimic it. Uh, and as much as games like The Room do a good job of kind of making you feel like you're uh, actually spinning a little dial or whatever, um, physically destroying something, I don't know if we'll ever get. Uh, get there though I did play um, super hot VR this is totally off topic but <laughs> I was like Ooh. <laughs> but this is the first show we've done since I've played oh, yeah. that and uh, man that is a truly unique and fantastic experience and so I, I'm thinking like maybe in the VR scape someday they'll be like you know that like you can feel like you're actually destroying something but um, now I'm thinking like VR board games where you're just like meeting in the VR space to oh, play. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure that that's existed. Yeah. Oh, like someone, someone's already tried to start that. I'm sure it's probably, probably just chess. Probably, um, yeah. So, in this kind of like extra game theme, we've been talking about the games don't have to be serious to have extra stuff. It doesn't have to be the uh, the end of the world. Exploding kittens, which is this kind of party game with. Um, where you're exploding cats. Um, the hmm. art's from the the writer of the oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they did on the port, because it's just a, it's a deck game, is they made it so silly. There's, like, everybody who plays cards is a cat, like a cat arm. Um, <laughs> every time something explodes, you hear, like, really silly, stupid sound effects of, like, meows and bombs and... and uh, you could also, like, the in-app purchases are for extra cards, just like the normal game, but what they do are things like you can play a card and turn all of your opponent's cards into cat butts. <laughs> um, 
because you can change the art because it's yeah. a digital b- version of a board game. You, yeah, might as well. I mean, that's great. You might as well. Yeah. Nothing and if but it's cat the butt theme, is that cool. Right. Uh, nothing but cat butt. Uh, mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, you might as well. If the game is silly in real life, then make the app silly and, and sillier. That's a great call. Yeah, that yeah especially fun. if your friends aren't being weird. Yeah. If you're doing it online, like, you don't have your friends making jokes, so you might as well have the game joke for you. You're right, right. So I put a question out on to Twitter, just kind of asking anyone uh, if they had any good board game ports that they liked and why they liked them. And we got some pretty good responses, um, some funny ones, too, so I thought I would uh, uh, throw them in here. Um, we had from at Bubbles 949 they recommended Carcassonne. Um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Carcassonne is one of the games that got me into board games. Uh, I've played it probably more than any other board game I've ever played, and the app feels great. Yeah, it's kind of the granddaddy of them all. Like mm-hmm. Ticket to Ride and Carcassonne came out first in my mind, and Carcassonne was the first one to get multiplayer right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and get an iPad, set it in the middle of the table, and it feels good. It feels like you're uh, playing a uh, game of Carcassonne almost. So. Couldn't agree more. Uh, then at Greg Carver said chess. <laughs> uh, then put in parentheses, though, maybe that doesn't count. And uh, Greg, I that made me laugh. I did not think of it <laughs> in that way, but it's totally true. Uh, the I've played a lot of video game chess, and that is maybe the first port of a board game, uh, of any board game. Uh, someone probably did checkers first, and then... Yeah. <laughs> I wish one of us had played really bad chess because... I have. Oh, you have. But only a little bit. I know that um, Shane really likes that game. He recommended it to me. And it's basically chess, but like, I've only played a few times, but as far as I can tell, every time you play, all the pieces have been assigned new rule sets of other chess pieces. So like your pawn might act like a queen, your rook might act like a king, something like that. Uh, and it's really, really hard. And I just, the name really bad chess might be, uh, like my favorite name of an app. So, uh, so Greg, thank you for calling out chess. That's a great call. And then, uh, great Twitter handle at uncle blood money, um, said paperback and Ascension. That's two different games. The former, because I can't get it elsewhere. The latter, because the digital version has spoiled me rotten. So, um, Laura, I think you've had some experience with these. These were not, I've never played either of these games. Mm -hmm. Have you played both or just one of them? I've played paperback a lot and it's a game that's kind of a mix of, um, a deck building Scrabble game. So you're, you're making words, uh, to get points to buy different, um, you're, you're supposed to be playing this like bad novelist who's just like pumping out pulp, like pulp fiction, terrible mm-hmm. books. And you can buy better titles and things like that by um, playing Scrabble well. And you're, you're basically maintaining oh, a deck. Funny. So you can buy, either buy better letters yeah. um, or you can buy um, the books that you're publishing. So um, I really liked it. But when I started reading about um, people who've played the board game, I found out that there's there's attack cards that they don't have in the port, and there's also, um, you know, they mentioned how many paperback physical board games end up with house rules, like proper nouns, or you can only play words associated with a hmm. book, or like, you know, people did a lot of cool house rule style things in paperback, which 
I really like the port. It's one of the only ones that work beautifully on uh, iPhone SE, a small screen. Like mm-hmm. it's made, like a lot of these work best on iPad. This is definitely one you can play on iPhone and solo. But I kind of miss that. Um, you can't set house rules, obviously, in an app. It's on Rails. Like mm-hmm. it's never going to let you play a proper down, um, even mm. if it's a word that you like or a slang word. Um, and thinking back to my my Scrabble games, like a lot of those are playing house rules or like letting people bluff or like you can challenge, but only if you take a shot. Like there's a <laughs> lot of that kind of in person stuff that you don't get from a port. So. I agree. I wasn't able to play the paperback board game. I couldn't get a copy of it. So this is the best I have, but it it's Yeah. It makes me want to play the physical board game more. Right. Than yeah. Keep playing the app. Yeah, the yeah. inability to modify anything I think is a good call out outside of settings that are inherent to the game. Um that is a part of board games. I and I don't think that board game boards will ever or really, I don't even know if they should seek to be able to add that element of customization because I could see it becoming um, maybe focusing on the wrong area. But that is definitely an element of of real board games. Um, does I like does the Monopoly port let you do the free parking thing that everyone does, or do you have to do the probably uh, not? You know, yeah. I don't know. But there are house rules that have been around for so long that it makes you, maybe some of the games have built them in. But my first board game port for my like old black and white Mac mm-hmm. Monopoly did let you play different house rule sets. Okay, but th- but it was like four that they had built in. Yeah, that, that you could play as variants. And with games that old, I I guess like the house rules like. I, you know, I, I didn't even know that was a house rule until like f- 10 years after playing it that way. So I, I could see a game like Monopoly. Um, I was thinking my first, I played a, a a version of Risk that I got on CD-ROM for my, like that ran on like Windows 95 or something like that, that I played a ton of way back. And I had these little animations when you would attack um, and it would just like stand up uh like little graphics of like the soldiers on one line and them on the other line, you just sit there and like cheer for, so instead of seeing like the, you know, dice rolling was happening in the background, but you're just watching little animations of your guys getting shot. Uh, (laughs) I remember like, you know, spending hours playing that game, just cheering for these stupid little animations, hoping that my guys didn't fall over and theirs did. Um, we've come a long way. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we haven't, I mean like the ones that I don't, the, the games that I don't end up liking um, as much are ones that go way too like this is a physical board game and it will be placed at an angle so that all of the you can see that we have 3D modeled all of the pawns mm-hmm. and it can be really cheesy or it can be really hard to see the board right um, because they've kind of favored looking like a 3D model rather than figuring out what you need to know from the game. Um, it's a really challenging problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. saw this when we did the room as well. Like, right? Yeah. There's yeah. Like there's actually like a um, when people talk about board games, they talk about like a game being finicky um, and being like lots of little pieces that you have to move around on a on a on a table that like. If you even slightly shake the table, like the game may be ruined, or like you might spend a lot of time trying to like line up little blocks on little blocks. And one of the things that are you know good about board game or video game board games is that often you know things just like lock in. You drag mm-hmm. a block over to a block, and it just sort of locks in. But even games that do it really well, like uh, 
uh, I was talking about Galaxy Trucker. The whole point of Galaxy Trucker is quickly grabbing tiles and building a ship out of these tiles. Um, you're grabbing them from a pile and then putting them on a board. Uh, while it does do a good job of like locking it into the slot for you, it can be a little finicky. Sometimes you're trying to grab, you know, they have, they've physically represented a pile of face down tiles in the middle of the screen. And then you with your finger have to tap on one, drag it down, look at it, and then drag it over to your board. And I just don't know if you're ever going to get that like feeling perfect. Cause sometimes you're like, I know I wanted, I meant to grab that tile, but I tapped on, you know, the t- like I hit the corner of the mm-hmm. tile that was on top of it, and then it gets kind of frustrating. Um, and I, I think that's a problem of screens, and I don't know if that'll ever be resolved in a in a iOS port. Um, maybe if you had like the pencil or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult thing because you want to have it look like that crowded, busy board game that you know and love, mm-hmm. but that doesn't translate to the width of fingers and reaching across an app. Like, you need enough hit area. So it, it's there's a density of information that you need in board game ports, for, for especially some of the really complicated ones, that you you can't see everything on an iPad screen that you can see on a full-size kitchen table that is 100% decked out. You're just never going to get it. But the people who've done it really well know what to hide and what you don't need then. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of like, you know, it's like a really, those really fancy board game tables that you see that no one can afford. Um, And I think they just went out of business, which makes me sad. Um, But the ones that like you pull out and they're secretly like, you know, all these cards underneath or you can pull out different, you know, things rise and fall like a, like a theatrical set. Like that's what a good iPhone iPad mm-hmm. port feels like like you've just it's just off screen it's safe <laughs> right. you can call it up at will yeah yeah totally like a good representation it doesn't have to be like literally what it looks like when you're looking at the board yeah and the ones that do it a hundred percent like generally I don't like those as much or I don't mm-hmm. play them as much and they you know if they're more into it being 3d than um it feeling right it doesn't really work yeah I agree. Um, and the other thing um, that, uh, and this is kind of your call out that I agree with a hundred percent is that uh, sometimes the tutorials in these, uh, these games can be a little confusing, um, a little abstract. And in a game with a lot of rules that can be frustrating. Yeah. Some really skip the theming entirely in the rules. It's like, please pick up this, you know, this, distribution point and put it into the value card. <laughs> wait. <laughs> what does that mean? Wait, I thought this whole thing was about, you know, the Tudor court. And that's a, <laughs> that's a slight... Splendor's a great one, but the, the tutorial could be a little more human. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was playing, um, playing a bunch of Splendor over the last few days, kind of reminding myself for this show. And it is a great game. It's a great port. Um, but yeah, it's a little dry. the The graphics are nice, but there's nothing else that like represents what it yeah. seems to be trying to represent. Yeah, it says someone who had I played uh, Agricola for the first time with people, I probably would have finished it, but I did not finish the tutorial because it was just like, and now we're going to move to this part of the board where you're doing all of this complicated stuff, and now this part. Yeah, it, yeah, it's that kind of density where it, you know it. Unfortunately, if you're playing for the first time and you're using it like I do to try out games before you 
buy a physical copy or you commit to an entire Saturday. Uh, you don't have the good friend who says, look, I've played it a few times. All you really need to know are these three things. The rest you can pick up in mm-hmm. route. Carcassonne actually did that, though, when you played it. Like, you got to play a little bit, and then it would explain rules when you got to that situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's becoming um, a thing I feel like that's more and more in board games, too, which is um, the rule set that walks you through your first game, um, Mm -hmm. where it's like, this is the rules for your first game. Read this book. And then when you're done with this, here's like the 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 second rule book which is just like for checking things and i really really like that in board games um mm-hmm. it's a really natural way to do it the the through the ages game that i was talking about that we played for like nine hours they do that mm-hmm. really really well it walks you through your first game um yeah and i mean to be honest i'm not surprised that people are not skilled at tutorials because most video games don't have them because people don't play them. Unfortunately, mm. in board games, you have to look at the rules before you play. <laughs> True. You can't just like you can't skip just them. open a box of all these pieces. I, I can figure this one out. Got this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, this makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> awesome. Well, the the last thing I just wanted to touch on to um, before we kind of break is uh, something I think is a really, really good development for board games, which is apps as sort of additions to tabletop games. Um, Not necessarily as a requirement, um, but something that adds to a game or makes it easier. Uh, One of the ones that I've used a lot, I was talking about Star Realms earlier. Um, In Star Realms, you start with 50 health points, and every round they're going down, they're going up, um, you know, sometimes down 20, up 15, down 7, and the rules just say have a piece of paper and a pencil. And by the end of a game, you've got a huge line, and I'm, I'm not complaining about that. You know, it's fine, but somebody made an app. It's called Authority. It does it for you. It's, it is the rule set. Uh, it, it's a counter. It's, like, themed around Star Realms. It has, like, little sounds and little, um, you know, music that kind of fits, like, the the space combat. Uh, and you just, each player downloads it on their phone. It's free. You have it set right next to you. And so when someone, um, you know, like, Nate, take five damage, just tap it five times. You're down to 45. Nate, take get three health, hit it three times. It simplifies it immediately. And that game is meant to be, you can play a lot of rounds. So you just hit a little thing, resets it, and keeps going. I think it's a great addition. Um, there's another one that I use a lot that's called uh, First Player. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's a fun little thing. Everyone puts their – however many people you have playing, it's a black screen. Put your finger on it. One finger each represents mm-hmm. a person. And it removes a white circle around each person until there's only one person left with a white circle around it. It's all random, and that's how you decide who goes first. You oh, just, I like that a lot. Yeah, you it's just so simple. It is. You just put it right in the middle of the table. You say put uh, put your finger on it. If people don't know what it is, you just say put your finger on it. It counts down, and that's who goes first. It's fun. Um, and then I, I Shane would be you know flipping out at, at us if we didn't mention all of the D and D element stuff that the D and D like sort of additions that you can have um, uh, for this from getting like the the um, player handbook on your iPad to some character creation and character uh, sheets on your iPad or your phone. Uh, super helpful. I know that 
um, in the game that I run, uh, or haven't played for a while, but the game that I've been running in St. Louis, uh, two of my players, their entire character sheet is on the iPad. Um, and mine is, mm-hmm. yeah, yours, yeah, yours is so super helpful. Um, it can all be done on paper, of course, but these things add a lot of stuff, some auto calculation, um, you know, you level up, it'll add, it'll show you how to add your hit points and things like that. Um, I think super handy. And I think that's stuff that will continue to grow. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I've also heard of some games that require an app. I don't like that because uh, board games are forever. You know, you buy a game mm-hmm. and you, you'll be able to play it as long as, like, my, my Sellers of Catan board is starting to fall apart because I've played it, like, 200 times. But, uh, you know, I could keep playing with it forever. But apps eventually will not work. Either I mean, we're having the uh, the upcoming apocalypse where half of the apps go away forever because they haven't been updated. Yeah. To uh, eleven bit rate. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So um, you know, every company intends to be around forever, but if you have a game that requires an app, there's a good chance. You know, it might be a while, ten, fifteen years, or or it could be two years. You just don't know. At some point, that app's probably not going to be supported, but. I could be making up a problem. I don't know. Maybe the developers have a solution for that. Um, but I feel like that would be something that I'd be worried about. So, um, But apps as additions, I think, are great. All right. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for listening, and I hope we've convinced some of you to go out and uh, download some board games on your, uh, on your phone or your iPad. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, shout out again to the people who reached out to us on Twitter who uh, responded to my question. Uh, if you want to uh, follow us on Twitter or you know, um, reach out to us about anything, we're happy to talk about games or whatever, or apparently babies or moving or, or whatever. Um, we're here. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore short game. You can follow me on Twitter at NateSTL. Laura, how about yourself? Yeah, for no moving and no baby content, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Laura J. Nash. I'm the person who's just living their life. Ah, uh, yes, but what a life you live. It, um, ah. You know, so please. Um, if you want to reach out to us, there's a contact form also on theshortgame.net. You can also find our old episodes and show notes and stuff like that. And, of course, we ask this every episode, and we, we mean it. We... Would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. Um, it really helps us out. It means a lot to us. You know, all the other stuff about rankings and all that, that's true. Uh, but also, we just, you know, we'd spend a lot of time on this show and we love hearing from you guys. And reviews are a great way to send your your opinions, good or otherwise. <laughs> um, just let us know. Um, we love hearing from you. And, uh, until next time it was uh thanks for listening to the short game